The key with conversation and connection is that we're listening, that we are there present to listen to what that person is telling us. That is currency for our kids. When they know that when they come to you or when they're talking about their day, that you're listening. Because if you're going to listen to the mundane things, you're certainly going to listen to the important things. Is your child's challenging behavior leaving you feeling exhausted, defeated, and hopeless? You are not alone. And I want you to know you are not a failure and your child is not broken. Welcome to Calm the Chaos Parenting, the podcast for parents raising strong-willed, highly sensitive, or neurodivergent children. I'm Dana Abraham, parenting expert, and I have helped hundreds of thousands of families just like yours. Each week, I'll share simple science-backed solutions to help you feel more grounded, in tune, and deeply connected to your child, no matter what challenge you face. Start your journey from surviving to thriving as a family at CalmTheChaosPodcast.com. All right, welcome back to the Calm the Chaos Parenting Podcast. Now, if you have ever got really frustrated because you found out that your kids were sexting or your kids walked up to you in front of all of your family members and said, hey, mom, what is this? And it was a quite embarrassing topic. Well, I have got the guest for you today because when we have those difficult conversations, our mind can go blank. And that is why I am so excited to invite on Dr. Robin Silverman, who is going to be talking about how to talk to kids about pretty much anything. Known as the conversation doc, Dr. Robin Silverman is a child and teen development specialist and author of the brand new book, How to Talk to Kids About Anything, as well as the host of the popular podcast of the same name. Oh, welcome, Robin. I am so excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here with you, you colorful, fabulous person. Well, as we were saying before, you are so colorful. We had the, I had the pleasure of getting to meet you on your podcast and you are just so lively and so energetic. And I am so excited to introduce you to my audience and have them hear some of your great wisdom. You have really packed it into your book. So I'm so excited (laughs) to unravel some of that. Um, Every page I was like, wow. And then she added that. Oh, wow. And she added that. I mean, it is really brilliantly done. So congratulations on that. Thank you. That means so much to me. Yeah, this this was, it it was a long time coming. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The book, the book, birthing process is definitely a, a, a big one. So there are so many things you could have talked about in your expertise, but you chose to talk about conversation. So why are you so passionate about having these hard conversations with kids? You know, usually it comes down to, hey, let's just talk about me. You know, like when it comes to what what is it we're really passionate about, it's because of something that probably happened to us at some point in our lives. And that is exactly what happened. So when I was in fifth grade, I was bullied. It was the worst year of my life. Like it's really on par with when I had my miscarriages. Like I, I just, just to tell you like how bad it was, it was a full year and it was every day. And when you're a kid, you can't get away from it. You're going to school. That's what's going to happen. There's no way to hide it. You're going to school. So 
there was a, a girl and uh, it was two girls, one who was quote unquote, my best friend and the other one who wanted to be her best friend. And that did not work out in my favor, this triangle. If anybody remembers who's listening, how your fifth grade or that kind of year went when it came to friendships, it's a little wonky. It was one of the worst years of my life. So because of what was happening to me, I was going home every day crying, like, you know, with the tissues. I just remember my poor mom, like handing me tissues and tissues and tissues over and over again and not knowing what to say or do. And she tried and she cared, but there was, what are you going to say? And as a parent, and as a parent now, it's like, you just want to be like, just don't be friends with her. You know, you don't know what to say, but that's like really what you just want to just go, this is just cut it off. And at the same time in school, they didn't know what to say. I still remember my teacher trying to fix it by sending me to the library alone to sit. And she talked to the entire class without me there. I mean, that's super horrible and embarrassing as it is. And then she sent the girl who was quote unquote, my best friend to come and get me. That's awful. And then she was like, you know, side eyeing me and saying horrible things on the way back to the classroom. And then walking into that classroom by myself, sitting down and everybody staring at me and the Mm. teacher being like, what do you want to say? I mean, it is just freaking horrible. So coming from that, I knew that I wanted to help the adults in the lives of kids know what to say, how to say it, the tips around it, and and really the important topics. Because while that was bullying, it happened really again and again throughout my life. And I had amazing parents. I, I really lucked out in the parent department. But that generation really didn't talk to us about a lot of these very, very tough topics. And the time that they did, I, they're memorable. Like, I'm really happy I had conversations with my dad about making sure you raise your hand and speak out. But And, and that's memorable to me. But there were so many conversations that we didn't have, maybe because of them, maybe because of me, maybe, you know, because it just wasn't a thing back then. So I made it a thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of the most common questions that I probably get is, what do I say? What do I do? And a lot of times the people who are coming to me are asking, what do I say? What do I do in the heat of the moment? And I know that you and I both have some very similar beliefs on this. So I wasn't planning on asking you about this. But before we get into it, why don't we talk about like, when is the right time to say and do things? And when is not the best time? Well, I'll say that you and I definitely are going to say the same thing in this department. First of all, the best time to talk about it is like now, essentially, like yesterday, now, tomorrow, anytime is the best time. You want to start when the child is young. If you're, if it's possible, those of you who are listening right now, they're like, ah, miss the boat. No, today's a great, great day too. But if it's possible, you can talk to your kid when they're young. And sometimes people will be like, when did you start talking to your kid about adoption? Because both my kids, we adopted both of my kids. I'm like, when they were infants, like on the first day of their life, not because of them, but because of me, you want to get the words out. You want to know what you're saying. You want to feel comfortable so that by the time they are understanding it, you're like, Hey, I got this. I've told you this hundreds of times. So if you can start the conversation, people talk about the sex talk with like the capital T and it's not one big talk. It's like a series of little ones that happen over time. Same with failure, same with death. Like they're all this series of conversations or what I call pre-talks where you're mm-hmm. starting with something like, 
you're, you're talking about death and you start with the bug on the, on the sidewalk or the plant that died and how you didn't, <laughs> you didn't water it and you didn't feed it. And now this is, this is what happens because when uh, you're not eating and you're not drinking and you, you, you die, right? So you're, you're having mm-hmm. these conversations with kids or when it comes to sex, you're talking about consent and you're talking about body parts and all these little things that lead up to the point where you start talking about the egg and the sperm. And then not even then are you talking about mechanics because they haven't asked about it. Then when they do, you're not having a three hour, you know, dissertation on, on sex. You, you fill in this little piece and then so I go, need to put the PowerPoint away. Yeah, no, so no we're not PowerPoint. doing the PowerPoint. No, like you, so that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's like any time is a good time. No, what what's not a good time? Uh, like in the heat of the moment when your child is like yeah. steaming mad, it's like not the best time to talk about like what's happening in your body when you're angry. But the, like mm-hmm. after, you know, the, you can totally talk about that. Before, what happened to you when you lost your mind and you you're go and you apologize to your kid, that's a great time to talk about all that. Yeah, I love that. And I was hoping you were going to talk about in the heat of the moment. And I love that you also <laughs> shared, like, you can talk about this anytime at any age and not wait until it becomes a, a big kind of elephant in the room that you're afraid to talk about. Because yes. if it's just part of how you talk and how you communicate, then it's going to be a lot easier to bring up these more difficult conversations. What I am curious, I love getting the tea on things. So what is the hardest conversation you feel like you had as a parent? Okay. So I'll say that I thought the sex conversation was going to be my hardest. And I just happened to have had some interviews before that on how to talk to kids about sex. And those are absolutely reflected in my book in that chapter. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am the luckiest person alive that I like got this full on like masterclass on how to talk about this before this happened because I felt so very equipped. So please know if you're freaking out about that conversation, like look at that chapter and you are going to feel so much better. Okay. But it turns out that that, so that, that turned out to be one of my favorite conversations because when my daughter had asked that, and it turned out like the mechanics part is like this small part. We were talking about like, you know, consent and like why you're with somebody and how you, you know, she asked me, did it hurt? And, you know, does it hurt when you do that? I'm like, well, if you like don't want to be doing it and you're like being forced to do it, absolutely. It can hurt your body and can hurt your feelings. But when you're really like excited to be there and you love the person and they really care about you, like it it can be wonderful. Like this was such a good conversation. But as far as like, (laughs) like when my son starts asking questions like now you're like okay with my daughter I felt different you're gonna feel different with like different kids but he asked I'm sitting in his room and he's like asking about erections Mm, and just that was a hard one for me too but he didn't ask he came rubbing into my room at like seven in the middle of the night and he's like we need to go to the hospital it's broken like he was adamant I, I I just want to zero in on the the pun joke that you didn't mean to make. You know, like um, erections. Oh, that was a hard one. Like, thank you for that. That just got a, like a little inner glee from that. Okay, so yeah, he was asking because it had been brought up somewhere along the. Like, I, I don't know what the conversation was 
but somewhere along the line, it kind of was being brought up and he was asking, well, if it happens like at school, like, what do you do about it? Now, here's the, that's like mainly the reason why I felt like, Ooh, this is going to be a tough conversation because I did not have this happen to me. Okay. I did not have this happen. <laughs> so I called in reinforcements. I'm like, honey, can you come in here? Poor thing. My, my husband has walked into some pretty tough conversations. He, I I've sat down to my table at like dinner and like, Research says that the majority of kids have seen porn at, by your age group. Have you? Like I, my, my husband's sitting there. He's like, damn it. Here we are again. So when I'm in this room with my son and he's asking this, I'm like, so Noah is curious about like, what do boys do if this happens in the middle of class? Like, what should you do or what should you do like to prepare? And he's like, my husband's like, um, don't wear gray sweatpants. And like, <laughs> like, all right, that's like, you know, don't, don't wear, you, you know, he's recalling from the past. Don't wear gray sweatpants and um, make sure you have books with you. And when your, <laughs> your, your, your teacher calls you up to the board, just be like, no, thank you. <laughs> he's giving like practical steps, which like, honestly think they're good steps. Cause I don't, I don't know. So for me, it's like conversations where I have had no prior experience at all. And like, I can sympathize with the circumstance of being like embarrassed, but I, I, I you can't really empathize in the same way because yeah. it hasn't happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I totally understand that. Thank you for sharing that. Those, those, it's both delightful to hear and also, you know, it's, it's really good to hear that you who specializes in conversations has struggled to have conversations as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's just really good for people to hear that we're all human and we're all figuring this out despite how much research and science we have behind us. Um, but the key but is that you out. don't, the key is that you still have the conversation. Like, mm. even if you need to like go back and be like, I need five minutes and you go get my book and you like read it or like read a piece of it, or you call in reinforcements or you say like, mm. I have never experienced, let's say anxiety or, or whatever, like, but aunt Jen, you know, has, let's get you connected with it. You still want mm. them to get the information. So let me just put that in as a caveat. I love that. Dana here, and guess what? My book, Calm the Chaos, has officially launched. So if you enjoy the podcast and find the stuff we're sharing valuable, I'm 100% sure you're going to love the book. You can get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you use this link, you'll also get some special bonuses. So once again, the link is calmthechaosbook.com. Thanks. I hope you're enjoying the show. And um, so that kind of brings us into you have figured out some ways that make this easier and some traps that people can fall into, uh, that parents fall into that you can avoid to make this easier. And so I find that a lot of parents have a lot of fear, and you talked a little bit mm -hmm. about this already, but a lot of fear going into conversation or they have a lot going on in their own head. Maybe they're already upset. They're already almost resentful that they're having to have this conversation, or maybe they're triggered by the conversation because of their past. What are some ways that parents can ground themselves so that they can have these conversations that are really hard? 
I love that you're asking this because, of course, you know, calm the chaos. We we really do need to calm the chaos inside of our heads before we launch into these conversations because they won't land well otherwise. So first of all, if you know that you're having a struggle with a particular conversation because of something happened in your past or you're dealing with something now, your child is starting to date and you just got a divorce or whatever like is happening at that point that's making that happen. Like that's a time to reach out to a peer, to a therapist, to somebody who you can talk to. Maybe you have a, a partner or a spouse, like that's a time to have those conversations with somebody who can give you feedback and really listen to you so that you can unload that that heavy load and then come into the conversation with more of an empty basket. Because when you go mm. in with your own agenda, you go in hyped up, as we know, even when we're dealing with our children, like when they're full up, they can't talk to us, right? There's no hearing us. And conversation happens between two or more people. It's not you unloading onto somebody else. That's, you know, a soliloquy. That's when you're just, you know, going on and pontificating yourself. You're not actually engaging in a conversation where you're curious. You're going in with curiosity because you're going in with your agenda. And rightfully so, because you're upset or frustrated and you should, you deserve to talk to somebody about that. You deserve to be heard, but not in the context between yourself and your child, because your child can't actually be that person for you. Mm, That's so helpful. Um, Just not bringing that in, but it's completely okay for us to have those feelings and to then, you know, we're, we're valid in that and we need to Mm -hmm. just have someone that we can or a group or um, support in order for us to handle our own struggles, our own needs. And then we can go into the conversation. I love that a hundred percent. Or you can, you can be writing about it or, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I, I was at a point, you know, after, right after the pandemic that I was like feeling really low. And so I went and dug into my passions. Like what's my passion? What fills me, fuels me? And I joined my singing lessons because for me, singing is something that brings me joy and it helps me. My singing teacher actually said to me on that first time, she was like, so what brings you here right now? And I was like, I need to rediscover my joy. Mm. And when you don't have that outlet, you take it out in conversation or in your behavior, in the way that you're acting. So Mm. use something that grounds you in that way, where you're finding your joy, where you're talking, talking it out with somebody else or, you know, basic stuff. Like when you're like, I don't process with other people, that's totally fine. Mm. Like maybe you process by breathing. Maybe you process by meditating. My daughter loves to take showers when she's in that state for her, that sensory input is really important, that hot bath or that hot shower. So what really calms you in that moment? I mean, yelling in the shower is like something I absolutely did when my kids were younger, because instead of you know, unleashing on them being so frustrated about why they were fighting yet again, I would just Mm -hmm. remove myself, get in the shower because there's nobody in there and nobody is going to be, you know, going in and, and, and fighting in front of me while I'm in the shower. 
Thank you so much for those tips. I'm curious, you talk a lot in your book about connection because having conversations is hard to do when you don't have trust, when you don't have a base level of connection. And so a lot of parents, especially you know, in our world, because we have parents who are dealing with a lot of challenging behavior. Um, maybe they've been dealing with this for a long time. So there might be disconnection between their partner with their kids. What are some of the tips that you have or some of the ideas for creating a base level of trust and connection before starting these conversations? It's really important to have that connection when you want to have important conversations. And that connection happens sometimes not when we're not talking at all. It can happen Mm. when you're sitting next to somebody and you're just in the same space. It can also happen when you're talking about just daily things. But the key with conversation and connection is that we're listening that we are there present to listen to what that person is telling us, that is currency for our kids. When they know that when they come to you or when they're talking about their day, that you're listening. Because if you're going to listen to the mundane things, you're certainly going to listen to the important things. So that's the time when you show, I want to get to know your world. Your child is playing Roblox. You could care less, but you ask them, tell me more about that. Like, what is it mm-hmm. that you love about that? Who were you playing with? You know, what did they do? What did you do? What made you laugh? These are connectors, even though they seem trivial, they're not trivial. Mm-hmm. And by sitting there and listening to what your child says, listening to their words, listening to their mood and their energy, listening to what it does in your own body for your intuition, where you can say, wow, it sounds like when you're playing that game and you're playing with your friend, Ben, you really get excited and you feel like this is something that makes you better friends. They Mm. might not have said that, but you're hearing all these different levels when you're listening. And that makes you a key adult in that child's life who they know they're going to come to you when, when the stuff really hits the fan and you're going to, you're going to take the time to listen. So go back to that situation in fifth grade and kind of place yourself in your mom's shoes, knowing what you just said and sharing some of these, these listening techniques Um, What are some things that a parent could do if they're just trying to connect, but not necessarily talk about the, the topic yet? What a beautiful question to put yourself into your shoes from when you were younger. I think that, that if an adult and my mom had, had sat with me and said, "I, I hear you 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 deserve to be to have a friend who includes you 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 deserve to have somebody who loves you both in school and outside of school that acts the same both in school and out of school just reflecting what i was saying it must be really confusing for you to have somebody mm-hmm. who wants to be, do overnights with you on the weekends 
but then ignores you in school or doesn't defend you when when other people are are saying mean things about you. That must have felt really lonely for you to walk into that room with all those people looking at you. I think that would have validated the mm-hmm. situation because there was no solution at that point. And I think at the time I kept thinking that I needed to do something different. And I think I needed somebody to be like, you're doing nothing wrong. I'm hearing what you're telling me and you're not doing anything wrong. What I'm hearing is that other people are making choices that aren't very kind and you're reacting like any human being and and, mm-hmm. and saying that this doesn't feel good. I think that would have been a really good start. And then we could have gone into more of what is a real friend to you? Mm. How would you describe a friend? What are the words that come to mind for you? Okay, you're saying that this person is your friend, but are they are they embodying those words that you're telling me right now? Are they kind? Are they are they loyal? You know, are are they being caring? If the answer is no, and your definition is these three words, then who is those three words? Maybe we should make a, mm. a time to talk with them and get together with them. It would have moved the needle, I think, more. Mm. Instead of the the way that parents typically are, which is, let me fix this. Let me tell you what to do. You have to bring your child along in conversation. Mm. And by bringing them along, I mean, you can't be the only one talking. And we usually are, mm. right? We think of like father knows best, you know, like that that old kind of way that our parents would like unleash this fabulous wisdom at the end of the sitcom. But that's not how it works. Conversations mm. happen between two or more people. And when you bring them along, the connection happens and more conversation happens after that. Listening to you, you sound like, it, you make it sound so easy. And mm-hmm. I know that people have said to you, can you just come and have the talk with my kid for me? <laughs> that is for um, sure. And I know you can't do that. But what I am curious, you know, I have found that when people can understand the why, the how becomes easier. So can you mm-hmm. share a little bit behind the science behind the conversations yeah. and some of those scripts that you're doing? What is some of that that people can take away and say, okay, when I need to have a hard conversation, maybe this is some of the stuff I need to remember about the science. Oh, I love that. And I do provide a lot of science because, and in a very accessible way, but for me, it's important mm-hmm. too. So it turns out like, let's say the sex talk, okay? Like that so many parents, if you're like, what's the freaking biggest conversation? You're like, I do not want to have this with my child. Like a lot of them will choose the sex talk. It turns out that, The science says that kids want to talk about this with us. They want to. And those parents who do have the conversations with us about, let's say, sex are much less likely to engage in risky behavior. They are more likely to delay sexual activity. And they're much more likely to make smarter choices when it comes to sex. Similarly, suicide. So many people have said, I don't want to bring this up. I feel like I'd be putting their this idea in their heads. That actually is the opposite of what happens. When we talk about something like suicide, our kids are less likely to have suicidal ideation. They're less likely to do it. 
there's a huge study in 2005 that actually shows this, that the more we talk about this terrible topic, the more likely your child will feel like I'm connected with somebody. Uh, somebody is trying to, you know, help me here. They're bridging the gap. They're they're helping me by giving me somebody to talk to. That I'm opening up about this. I'm not so alone. They're much less likely to to engage in risky behavior, and um, much less likely for suicide to be their end result. So, this happens again and again. Uh, you know, the ki- people who talk to their kids about money those kids are going to be much more well-versed in how to handle money. They're not, they're not going to be the person who doesn't have money to spend on their rent because they just, you know, went to five concerts. We have to talk about it because it is the answer to helping curb the risky behavior, increase the knowledge, increase informed decision-making. So I would keep those things in mind, that kids want to talk to us about this. And when we do, good things happen. All right. So let's, let's kind of bring this home with some things that people can walk away with. Some, they, they want to leave this. They've been listening the whole time and they're like, okay, I'm ready to have that talk. What are some frameworks or things that parents can kind of be thinking of as they create these scripts or conversations to go and talk with their kids? So, I I mean, in the book, I provide a lot of conversation starters and say this and not that. So it depends on what topic you're talking about. But when we are, let's say you're talking about death or sex, understand that there's, you know, there are age appropriate things that we're doing. You know, you're starting with talking about the body parts and remembering that we're not just, you know, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Like there are other body parts and they do need to know the names of them. And we're going to use the real names in the same way that with when we're talking about death, we're going to use the real terminology. We're going to say death. We're going to say dying. We're going to say dead. Because when we say euphemisms, like they went to sleep, you know, they went to the farm, you cut, create such confusion. They got, they, they, they got sick and died. It's confusing. Then what happens when you get, you know, when you get sick? So we're going to be careful with that. Oh, this is a different kind. This is a disease. It's called cancer. This is what happened to the body. So you're being very specific with your words, and then you're you're making sure you're not using the euphemisms, whether it's for the body parts, because we don't want to be calling something a cookie, and then the child says he touched my cookie and you say, Oh honey, we could split the cookie in half next time. You're not talking about the same thing. Okay. We want to make sure that we are giving our children the correct language, whether we're talking about death or sex or failure or anything else. Um, and when you're talking about things like failure or perfectionism and things that happen on the everyday, like take those opportunities. So Mm -hmm. My son was sitting in the backseat of my car when he was maybe like three or four years old. We're on our way to the park and he's coloring in his coloring book. And he says, Ma, I'm doing a good job, but it's not perfect. It's not perfect. And you can just go, oh, I'm sure it's great, honey. Love you. But take those opportunities. Like it's like a lob up from the universe. Oh, well, do you know that humans are not perfect? Do you know that machines 
that are made can be perfect. They can draw completely in the lines, but human beings, we are not perfect. Here's how mommy is not perfect. And here's how you're not perfect. And that's okay. You know, and you're able to start to talk about this. Sometimes we feel like we need to be that we want to be, we get frustrated when we're not. How do you feel when it's not perfect? Do you feel like it's not that good enough? Actually, I think that it is because human beings have all these wonderful things about them. And you can go and insert your values. You can start talking about the people that help to showcase this. Let's say it's a young kid like this was. Did you know that Dr. Seuss, who we read all the time, he had to submit his books 27 times before somebody said, this is a good book. You think he thought, oh, my books are not very good. They're not perfect. And your child will be able to contribute to those conversations. Allow them to. I love those stories of people that demonstrate it. When we can talk about Olympians, countless stories, authors, artists. I do a lot of those in my book so that you're able to say, here's what happened with this person. What do you think about that? If you were Dr. Seuss's best friend when he was submitting all these things, what would you say to him? And and it allows that child to start to contribute to the conversation and for you to answer questions that are relatable instead of you lecturing Mm -hmm. to your child and them just going, nodding their head and saying, okay. Those are really helpful tips. And I know that it's going to help people be able to create um, better conversations with their kids, especially on these really tough conversations. And, you know, your book is just like we said before, just chock full of tips and say this, not this. And here's some sentence starters. And I always find sentence starters to be so incredibly helpful and powerful. Um, Before we wrap up, I have one final question. I like to ask it kind of of everyone. And it's, if you were sitting in front of a parent right now, and they are just, they are at their wits end, and they are feeling like they've at the tip of their tongue. They've got this conversation. They've noticed something with their kid. They don't know how to bring it up. What is, and you only had like a minute or two to talk to them about something and you've got so much in your book. I know, go read the whole book, right? But what if there was just one thing that you could tell them? What would that one thing be that they need to hear? I often say that when we have a very awkward conversation to have, to just say it up front that it is super awkward, to just state it outright. Honey, I have something I want to talk to you about. I got to get it out, but I'm feeling super awkward. And I, I really wish I didn't have to talk to you about this, but I love you so much that I want it to come from me. I want, I, I am your safe person. I don't want it to come from the boy in the back of the bus. I don't want it to come from the internet. I don't want it to come from some stranger. I want it to come from me. So help me take a deep breath here. (sighs) We both have talked about really weird things in our past. You know you're rooting me on. So here it goes. And then say it. Mm. And usually it's not quite as bad as we think it's going to be. The buildup is usually much worse. I tell you, that sex conversation I thought was going to be super, oh, super, super difficult. And it turns out to be one of my favorite memories. So you never know. Mm -hmm. And you're doing your kid a really big favor by stepping up and stepping in to the awkward. I love that so much. Well, 
Dr. Robin, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and for this amazing book that you've written. Can you tell people where to find out more about you and where to get your book? Thank you. They can go to drrobinsilverman.com. It's Robin with a Y. So Dr. R-O-B-Y-N, silverman.com. They can also find me, you know, all over social media at Dr. Robin Silverman or on X at Dr. Robin X, you know, this is like, <laughs> <laughs> um, my book is how to talk to kids about anything. And you can find it anywhere books are sold from Amazon to Barnes and Noble to Target to your fabulous local indie bookstore, which we always want to support. So I hope you'll buy my book. I hope you'll love it. I hope you'll read it through, but I hope you'll like refer to it, you know, time and time again. I want it to be the evergreen book, the best friend you wish you had. And I can be there at three in the morning. There you are. And for everyone listening, we are going to include all of those amazing links in the show notes below. Um, so all you have to do is go to, if you're listening, you can go to calmthechaospodcast.com and we'll have all those links linking you right to Dr. Robin's amazing work and her podcast and her book and all the things. I highly recommend it. I think this is a book that should be on every parent's bookshelf. So um, go and check that out. And I am so excited to have more and more conversations with experts just like Dr. Robin and to really dive into helping you have difficult conversations and to empower you so that you can feel more connected. You can help your kids feel more seen and heard and understood. And I will be doing that on every episode and I'll see you here next week at calmthechaospodcast.com. And if you haven't checked it out yet, be sure to go check out Calm the Chaos book. It is out in stores everywhere. And so you can check that out. And we talk about how to have those difficult conversations in a very different way. I talk about how to set it up. I talk about how to get connected. But Dr. Robin talks about all of the scripts, all of the really, really nitty gritty and how to have every difficult conversation you could think of under the sun. So they are a great match made um, for parents who are going through challenging times. So go check out both of them, Dr. Robin at How to Talk to Kids About Anything and Calm the Chaos. And I will talk to you guys on the next episode. And I just want to remind each and every one of you that if you're listening to this and you felt a little judged, a little worried, oh, have I messed up? I want you to know, absolutely not. You are exactly the parent that your kid needs. You are doing the best job with what you've been given so far. So I want you to know you are not a failure. Your kid is not broken and you are no longer alone. So just remember, you've got this. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Oh, and before I go, one quick note for all of you who are enjoying the podcast. My new book is officially live and I know you're going to love it. So just a quick reminder, you can go get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you do, you'll get some cool bonuses as well. Once again, get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com and I'll see you next week.